This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Colorectal cancer, commonly known as colon cancer, is the third leading cause of cancer-related deaths in the United States among men and women, and is expected to cause nearly 50,000 deaths this year alone. But colorectal cancer screening saves lives. Here with more on all of this is Dr. David Halloran. He's a colorectal surgeon and the section chief of surgery at Upstate's community campus. Welcome, Dr. Halloran. So colorectal cancer is a killer, but screening for it can really save lives. Tell us about that. As with all cancers, and particularly colorectal cancer, the earlier you find a cancer, the better your survival rates. What's different with colon cancer as opposed to other cancers, you know, those that you can find as little specks nowadays and are treatable, uh, you can actually prevent this by going back far enough in the history of it, and it is usually a benign lesion or a polyp at some point in its stage. And if you find it then, you can remove it often, most of the time endoscopically without an operation, and that is not only curative, it's actually preventative because you take the polyp out and put it in a jar, you don't get the cancer. And it's done. And it's done. So who is most at risk? I mean, what are the factors that play a role in people developing colon cancer? I mean, you suggest that it has a history, that it may start as something benign, as a little polyp, a little pimple or something in the colon, and then really become a full-blown cancer. So who is most at risk for this? Uh, The biggest risk factor is mostly just age. 93% of cancers occur in people over the age of 50. Now, in addition to that, two other independent risk factors. Uh, one is family history, uh, which you don't have control over, but it's a very important piece of information to know. But as far as behavioral things go, smoking, interestingly, is an independent risk factor for colon cancer, really? uh, as is obesity. Uh, so those are things that can be controlled. So you should stop smoking. You should maintain a healthy weight if you're talking about prevention. Correct. And so let's get to the screening then. So. At what point, I mean, what are the recommendations now on a national basis for how early people should begin to screen for colon cancer? For colon cancer, nationally, for average risk people, meaning people without symptoms and people without a family history, uh, age 50. There's some suggestion that this may be moved forward to age 45 in the, in the uh, Afro-American population, um, but age 50 is usually the standard for, for plain old Joe Blow. And that's for risk. any type of screening any, for colon any, cancer. Any, any type of screening, and, and, there, and there are many different types available. Now, we were just saying that colon cancer is often silent, but if you were having symptoms, what would you be having that would indicate to you that, oh, I should really go see a physician, I should check this out? Well, well the most common symptom is bleeding, either on an occult stool test or just overt blood. The, the most common sand trap to avoid is seeing a little bit of bright red bleeding and assuming it's something not cancer, like hemorrhoids. Um, probably statistically, it probably is hemorrhoids. You don't know that until you get it uh, examined. Uh, and early on, tumors produce, you know, the earlier the tumor, the less symptoms it produces. Bleeding may be the first, and I'm very spastic about people who come in to my office with that complaint. Uh, bleeding, uh, you get quote-unquote change in bowels, which is either going too often or too little. Uh, uh, smaller size stools uh, as it progresses and spreads. You get weight loss. Uh, pain know, in the stomach ever? You get abdominal pain, yes. So um, basically, let's talk a little bit about what the various screening options are. I mean, obviously, the, the gold standard is the colonoscopy. 
Uh, what, how often should people get a colonoscopy after the age of 50 or beginning at the age of 50? Begin at the age of 50, again, for average risk patients, every 10 years. So you're talking once a decade having a colonoscopy. Uh, the good news uh, with this mass screening, I tell people I divide my career into the pre and post Katie Couric era. Mm -hmm. I think what she's done for this disease and promotion and advocacy is, is fantastic. And the number of new colon cancers from 2002 to 2012 is down by 30%. Really? That's why it is now the number three cause for cancer death instead of a decade ago, the second most common cause for cancer yes, death. Yes, I, I, I found so, that actually. So it actually does work. This is not, not uh, some kind of fantasy. This is actually proven it works. It if saves you get screened, lives. It saves lives and prevents cancer. Um, but as far as different types of screening, uh, colonoscopy, yes, uh, it, it is a quote-unquote gold standard. There's a virtual colonoscopy, which is a CAT scan. So talk about that a little bit. So what does that actually mean? Virtual col uh, colonoscopy is a uh, CAT scan. Uh, it requires a full bowel prep. So uh, you do the same preparation for, you would for, for a colonoscopy, colonoscopy but you go under a CAT scan. You go to a CAT scan. They, they instill some air into the bowel so, to distend it. And it's not a bad test. I mean, I'm of the thought mindset that there is no bad test colon cancer screening tests. They're just different ones. Uh, it, it doesn't pick up a lot of the small polyps, about 50% of polyps under 8 millimeters. So it can miss things. It can miss polyps. Uh, I mean, so can colonoscopy. There's no one test that's 100%, but that is still the best test. Uh, is it virtual? It, it uh, misses it. Plus, and more, and more practically, if it, if it sees something, it doesn't biopsy to remove it. So, so in so other words, you'd still then have to go and have the full have colonoscopy. Uh, there's uh, the old-fashioned flexible sigmoidoscopy, which was promoted 20 years ago as a screening method. And again, it's not a bad screening method. We'll, we'll pick up a lot of polyps or tumors or cancers, not all of them, maybe about half of them. Uh, but does uh, that also involve the prep? The well, it involves a less of a prep. You could do that with just two fleet enemas uh, before the exam. Because it doesn't go through the entire colon. Right. It just does a just small section. Just a lower section. third uh, mm -hmm. of the colon. Uh, other tests, uh, uh, there's... Uh, the old-fashioned fecal occult blood test, which has been replaced by the FIT test, which is more specific for human hemoglobin. Uh, so it's for, looking it chemically looking for a particular thing, finding within, within not the stool. just the blood. This is the occult blood. This is blood you may not see, which is more common in lesions that are above the bowel and the, and the upper portion of the bowel. And uh, those are a simple stool sample, right? Correct. That's something they do at home and usually mail back or drop off at the doctor's office. What about something, this new test that's coming out called the Cologuard? What exactly is that, and is it, is it an effective test? Um, according to their literature, it's supposed to be 92% effective for, for, for finding large polyps and or cancers. Uh, I've used that off and on. I've had some false positives so far. Uh, it's not a, again, it's not a bad test. I think it's fascinating that you can find you know, a, a abnormal DNA in the stool. I think this is a... This whole area of genomics and DNA testing is, is uh, I think, the whole future of a lot of this. But it's so it is still a stool sample, but correct. it's a more highly sensitive, or it's right. looking for, as you said, DNA. D DNA in the stool, correct. So isn't it, uh, I guess, if you were to recommend to someone what the protocol should be after age 50, I mean, these you have this variety of tests. How do you pick which, how does someone decide which to use? Well, again, I, I'm the first to admit I have a very uh, limited vision of life uh, in my practice. Uh, but if they come to my office, I'm recommending they get a colonoscopy, uh, age appropriate. Um, and if not, and some people don't want 
tests and sometimes you know i'm not seeing everyone who's obviously people that want to go have any that kind of test or i'm not seeing or they don't want to see they don't want to have an invasive test yeah, or they like want to that. have an invasive test and there are risks there's no free lunch there's risks of bleeding if you take out a polyp there's risks of perforation which are rare but but do happen and i know since it is such a popular test now you probably through a friend of a friend know someone who had a test and had a problem i mean i hear that uh, not uncommonly in the office but it's uh, but it is still a good test um I think you have to talk to the patient. I think it's a conversation patients should have with their doctors. Uh, the other concern is, you know, everyone knows when to start screening. No one knows really when to stop. And there was a paper floated a few years ago saying that after <clears throat> 75, don't do any routine screening. And I, I have a problem with that. What's, what's routine screening? 75 is the new 65. People are out bicycling, uh, everything else. And a, living into their 90s and 100s. Yeah, and, and, and they're still getting everything else done. And I can't understand why you wouldn't want the number three colon can, uh, the cause for cancer deaths uh, addressed at some point when you're 76 or 78. So uh, I, I think, but I think it's a discussion. I mean, there are people that come in and they have multiple morbidity, you know, they have high morbidity, and you don't want to put them through a colonoscopy. So they may have other conditions that would make a colonoscopy yeah, right. more threatening the, or and, difficult. And, and then the... Um, other than the, the question of should you do any test, what are you going to do when you find it? But if you are going to do a screening test, then maybe you go to a less invasive test. But, but the bottom line is are all, all these tests, including the colonoscopy, are not 100%, but they all can contribute to a picture. Correct, correct. If I have someone who's at high risk and I say, oh, I don't want to do an invasive test on them, and you do a non-invasive test, and it's negative, good. But if it's positive, it gives you more, I think, thrust to go ahead and, and a reason to go ahead and do something. So these stool tests and the Cologuard and that type of thing, can those be done or should those be done annually? I know the colonoscopy uh, is done every 10 years, but would you well, recommend... The stool, the stool test can be done annually. Uh, the Cologuard, I think, is every three or five years. It's a, it's a, it's not, it's a, a fairly expensive test, mm -hmm. and, and I think often it's prior, the insurance uh, prior approval. Mm -hmm. But basically, isn't it that the right test is the one the patient will undertake? Absolutely. Uh, I think and any uh, test is uh, better than none at all. Any test is better than no test, correct. So let's get to a little bit of time. We have just a little, some time left, actually. Um, when you talk about colon cancer, what are the key, I mean, you know, let's assume you find it early, as you said, you can literally remove it and there's no sequelae. There's nothing further needs to be done, no chemo, no radiation, nothing. If, if you fully take out an early stage polyp, is that correct? Early stage cancer, correct. Yes, right, right. In early stage cancers, because you take out a polyp perhaps during a colonoscopy, you have to then test it for pathology, and if it was cancer, you can be comfortable at that point. It depends. It depends on what they call the Haggits level. It depends on the age of the patient. Okay. If, uh, but but you know, a forty-year-old with an invasive with a cancer in a polyp, I might want to have a resection. An eighty-year-old, you may be happy just. Removing the cancer. Yeah. So if if there's, let's talk about the different stages just briefly. So when we talk about cancer, this it's staged based on what? It, it's a stage based on depth of invasion of the cancer through the bowel wall. Through the amount of tissue, uh, ex, additional tissue right, involved. The bowel wall has an inner layer, a muscular layer, an outer layer, a surrounding fat, and also the lymph nodes. Now the lymph nodes are really the break point for a lot of treatment options. Uh, radiation therapy is really never an option for rectal cancer. It is sometimes used for, sorry, it is an option for rectal cancer uh, sometimes if needed, if it goes through the wall or had lymph nodes. Uh, radiation is never an option for colon cancer uh, above the rectum, uh, but if it goes into the lymph nodes, then chemotherapy is advised. So surgery is, is largely the majority, of the, the mainstay. It remains primarily a surgical disease, correct. I mm -hmm. mean, there are people who come in who have no lymph nodes. You resection, uh, resect them, and they're, they're done. 
Okay, they still need to be watched. Okay, but they're they're done. Uh, chemotherapy, though, is uh, for people who have lymph nodes involved. Is this is now pretty standard over the last twenty plus years. It is a big impact uh, on people who have uh, lymph nodes involvement as far as survivorship. And as a matter of fact, a recent that it study, has improved survivorship. Oh, uh, from nineteen ninety to two thousand ten, the improvement for survival for colon cancer is up by forty six percent. I mean, wow. it's it's a I hate to use the word huge, but it's a very large. Uh, improvement over the years so it is helpful I mean it's all it's, it's helpful if you have it early but if you don't the baby isn't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because it is a curable disease even at a moderate stage so that is extremely hopeful I would think for for people to know I mean obviously you don't want to let it get to the point where you're into stage two or three cancer but the reality is that it's changed quite dramatically from a killer historically, to something that really basically can be cured. It, it, it can be cured uh, at, at a lot of different stages. And also, from a, um, for the rectal cancer, I think one of the biggest fears that people have in the back of their minds, if I have cancer, I may need a colostomy. Uh, nowadays, even if you just looked at the rectal cancers, only about 15% of rectal cancers, that's 1-5, 15% would ever require a permanent colostomy. You're talking about something that is very, very low down on the sphincters. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of my... Uh, issues I have are you know, people getting screening. That, you know, just a rectal exam uh, can prevent, it can detect a lot of lower rectal cancers. Uh, and so people, are, when you talk about well, this advanced screening, they're not even getting either a blood test or, or a rectal exam on a, on a doctor's visit. So I hear the bottom line here is screening, screening, and more screening. And with that, it looks like we could really turn the tide in, in the fact that it'll be the fourth, fifth, or sixth killer. Hopefully soon. Thank you so much, Dr. Halloran. My guest has been Dr. David Halloran. He's a colorectal surgeon and the section chief of surgery at Upstate's Community Campus. Once again, thanks for coming in. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on A.